Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we're going to continue our interview with Kerry Franklin. Kerry Franklin is a youth support worker who works for the charity No Limits. She joined Tom Cromarty and Rebecca Jones, two of our Dragon Bites presenters, last week to start discussing her role with the No Limits charity and her work in emergency departments, supporting children and young people. Anyway, let's get started. And, and you've talked about some of the instances in which you would uh, become involved. And you, you've said that sometimes the, uh, the staff would say uh, they're medically fit. Can you come and have a chat with them as well? Is that wh- what would you say is the kind of a, a day in the life of Kerry? Kind of how many children would you be seeing? Um, yeah, I suppose it's very variable, isn't it? But um, w- what time are you seeing them? Are you- you know that kind of thing what what does that kind of look like on a practical level um so I try and vary my shifts um so um I do some weekends I do a a late night on a Tuesday um most of the time I'm in Monday to Friday um but an average day so um Southampton we have um what we call the room of requirement every morning. So we have a half an hour opportunity to do some learning. Uh, A member of the team will opt to choose a subject to talk and teach everybody else about. So I'm, I'm often roted in on that. So I might do um, a half an hour discussion on young people's behavior or anger management. Um, I've recently done one on sexual health. I've done a half hour teach session on LGBT issues. So um, that's kind of the morning started. I'll do the handover, um, see who's in, who's gone up to the wards. So then I've got a general idea of uh, where I might go. Um, We have a short stay area. So I'll go and see some of the young people that have come in overnight and they might be... um, a mental health crisis, abdominal pain, injury, drug and alcohol related, um, or eating disorder, for example. So I might see two or three young people downstairs. Um, I'll link in with our CAMS liaison teams as well, because sometimes the information that a young person's talked to me about isn't something that they've necessarily spoken to a CAMS um, nurse about. So it's about sharing information as well and like uh, confidentially and and stuff like that. Um, the CAMS team might also have somebody that they might want me to go and see who's not on their threshold but could do with some youth support outside of the CAMS criteria. Um, and then uh, I'm constantly looking through to see who's coming into the department. And, and again, because of our age group, I'm looking to see who's in adults as well. Um, Southampton, we've got a vulnerable adult support team. So I go and link in with them and they'll quite often ask me to see one of their patients who might be 24, a heroin addict that's a frequent attender to the emergency department. 
Um, and so my day is, is chock-a-block. Um, I'm lucky if I get a lunch break. Uh, and then, of course, I've got all my admin to do, uh, referrals, signposting, writing, safeguarding things, follow-up phone calls with young people. Um, uh, probably on average, I see four or five young people a day. Um, and any one of them, I might spend anything from half an hour to I've spent a whole day with somebody before because the, the level of trauma crisis they're in. Um, so it's an unpredictable day, probably the same as everybody who works in the emergency department. Um, but because Southampton's such a big hospital, there's always young people in it. <laughs> Amazing. And um, I, I just to find on that point, I think just having you in the department and like you say, your um, expertise and teaching in those quick half an hour, 20 minute uh formal sessions or even just the conversations that people can have with you just for a little bit of um extra information on what mm. to do is going to kind of you know like a ripple effect and and just upskill the whole department on managing children like that so um yeah I think that's amazing yeah uh, a lot of the new doctors find it really interesting because they they're like I could never have spoken to a young person about anal sex or where to get free condoms I would never have known how to even start that conversation and they're like you've done it so easily and I'm like but that's because I'm not scared to talk about it so it's it's passing on that skill really yeah that's that's what I was going to say is that I'm I'm just at the start of my peds training and I was just thinking about how these moments and having you in the department to help teach trainees or non-trainees anyone that's in the department that's interested on how to start these conversations means that you then also get more time like if someone else can also help start a conversation then you're skilling people so that say I might feel more confident to talk about sexual health with a young person which means that you can then focus on someone else that's maybe closer in crisis and things so it's it's really good. It sounds like Southampton have got a really good setup as well. Yeah. So on that, Kerry, um, what are your, if we can, get some top tips on uh, just maybe maybe a th- three top tips on on talking to young people? Um, what what would they be for you? Um, I think most of all is just really be non-judgmental and I know it in some instances it is really hard to be non-judgmental um but if you can really dig deep um because somebody for example who is a heroin addict nobody woke up to choose to do that it's something that has happened to them because of their circumstances or peer pressure or something and I think it's really important to just remind ourselves that, you know, they're, they're not necessarily choices I would make. Um, but, you know, this person is vulnerable when they need my help. Um, so being being non-judgmental in, in every aspect. So, you know, whether you're greeted with a 14-year-old who's worried they're pregnant or, you know... Um, uh, a 25-year-old a who's frightened to come out because they're gay or something, you know, it, it's about being non-judgmental 
even if it's against your personal values. And I know most, probably everybody I work with is very non-judgmental, but it's a key thing for people to open up to you because it makes them feel safe. Um, and we know that feeling safe is is one of the, the best things to help young people achieve. Um, I think as all staff, if you know what is in your local area, you know what all the local support groups are, whether that's um, if you have got a young person who has tested positive for a pregnancy test, for example, if you know where to signpost for all of that local support that that young person's going to need, um, it just makes their decision process so much easier when they leave your care whether that's you're signposting them to like a young mum's antenatal group, for example, um, uh, or um, a clinic that can offer clinical support for that person's decision. And and again, base that on being non-judgmental, but like professional and knowledgeable, that again goes a long way to, to helping that young person know that they are supported in their community. So I always say, especially doctors who are moving around nationally, you know, I think one of the, the first things that you should do is, is look on your local council website and find out what all of these services are available to, to all of your patients. Um, I think I think as well, lots of people I speak to who don't often engage that much with young people they often say they feel a bit scared of young people or like they feel intimidated. And I do completely understand that. I've I've walked into some cubicles and I've been greeted by like somebody with their hoodie up and they're not going to give me eye contact and, you know, and they, they look quite threatening. But actually underneath that is a very scared, vulnerable young person. Um, and and just try not to be scared of them because they're actually really nice people. <laughs> they're really lovely when you get to know them. <laughs> That's what I find as well. When you actually, when you can get them talking, they're always, you know, they're, they're quite, um, they're quite clever. They're really interesting and, and yeah, really nice people. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really great tips then. So non-judgmental. Um, and I suppose that means your face has to be non-judgmental as well when you're hearing these kind of things. Um, yeah, facial leakage. <laughs> facial leakage. Um, one of the things that I, I always remember is uh, that one of the kind of GPs that does podcasts called Rangan Chatterjee, he says that if you consider that everyone's got different experiences in life and if you had the same life experiences as them, you'd make the same decisions as them, then you can become less judgmental. I, mm. I like that. And then you said knowing your local area um, and uh, and support groups. And I think David James would would be angry if we didn't mention the Heads uh, Assessment app, which um, yeah. has got um, I think it's local to a few different areas, but also got national things. Do you know a bit more about that? Yeah. So um, if you, um, I use it a lot because I go from Basingstoke to Winchester to QA um, 
And every time I work in a different hospital, I just change my setting to like Portsmouth. And then it brings me up all the local youth support for Portsmouth. So in Portsmouth, we've got youth services and Motivate are the local ones to that area. Um, But also they will have different, um, like they'll have a different homelessness um, contact number. They'll have a different rape crisis contact number different sexual health services so yeah if you've got that app or you can have that app on your phone definitely put it on because it's it's such a brilliant toolkit um and it gives you those leading questions to open those conversations with young people so whether if you think that a young person um is has got a bit of a mental health issue but it's not that obvious you can just click on that tab within the app and and just discuss so how's your mental health you know how how are you coping through lockdown or you know that have you got exam stress and stuff so it's just giving you that toolkit all in one place in a fancy app that does all the work for you um and and it will help you signpost to young people their local areas i think there's an option on there that you can fill in referral forms with the young person as well so if you've got time and the department's not overly busy you can sit with the young person and do the referral and send it to their phone I didn't know that existed so thanks guys (laughs) I probably should have known that existed but I didn't know that existed (laughs) um we've spoken a lot about like the stuff that you do with young people but uh, are there children and young people involved in the development of the services within like no limits and do they do they give you feedback and get involved themselves yeah so no limits is um we one of our service managers often refers to us as the fourth emergency service and i think she's quite right in saying that and and one of the things that we do um we we have kind of embedded ourselves within the community and we, um, as an organisation, I think every year we do a big survey for all of our young people. Um, so whether they're part of a youth group, um, part of our young carers group, we ask them to fill in a survey. It's called a Have Your Say survey. And we do that every year um, and we get really vital feedback about how we can improve our services, um, you know, uh, what support and access would they benefit from that we don't already have. So it's a big survey that collects that kind of information. Within the um, teams ourselves, we'll often do uh, feedback forms. So at the moment, we are still collecting feedback from the young people that we've engaged with at the hospital. Um, and they, a lot of that's been got, gone into the report that I sent you earlier, um, uh, like the impact report. Um, uh, no Limits also does its own impact report for our commissioners. Um, and yeah, we I think we have our youth advocacy service as well. Um, and a project that I worked on last year was um, a mental health youth champions project as well. So it was about recruiting young people in schools to to be kind of peer mentors for the people in their school. 
um, and and stuff like that. So we we do constantly review our services. We get information from our youth ambassadors. Um, a, a lot of our information comes from them because all of our support is targeted to them. And if we're not doing it right, then we need to know about it. So, and young people are very honest. They like to tell you everything um, and give you their opinion. So it's really valued. <laughs> so you said um, the impact reports go to the, was it the, the council, did you say? Uh, I'm just wondering how, how does the kind of funding relate to work and um, and for kind of getting people like yourself into positions in the hospital? How, how does that all come about if other other departments want to try and get that going? I think um, so. No limits because we have so many different youth groups. We have then so many different pots of money. Um, the emergency department funding originally came from um the violent crime reduction team within the police service um and that was commissioned to try and help reduce young offenders um and have that teachable reachable moment with young people who um you know needed an alternative um lifestyle of, other than the the one that they you know, that's appealing to them through being groomed or whatever. So um, we weren't really seeing too much of the violent crime coming through the emergency department at that time. And the, the young people that I was, was seeing, they they didn't want to engage because I think they were quite heavily into county lines and almost unreachable, but uh, possibly through fear they just didn't want to engage or seek support or be seen to seek support um, but it became quite obvious that actually through COVID as well we were seeing a massive increase in the mental health side of stuff so we've um, we've now got funding from the home office we had funding from Bernardo's we had funding um, from some of the CAMS and council support as well um, most councils will have uh, a pot of money that will hopefully go into um, youth support services. So it, it's kind of a beg, steal and borrow thing that's, or you know, we've got a big chunk of funding at the moment from the home office, which is for six months work. Um, so we're hoping to recruit some more youth workers in the hospitals through that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a it's a rolling project, so to speak. Um, but if your hospital has got available funds through its charity, then it's it's a worthwhile investment. So do you see, um, you, you mentioned kind of more uh, youth, uh, youth kind of workers and youth getting involved with it. Do you see actual kind of young people who have maybe been through the service then being in the hospital? I know that, you know, in London with things like St. Giles Trust and um, Red Thread that they have, people with lived experience talking to those with you know violent crime and knife crime do, do you see that as an option with no limits then um we certainly have some of our youth workers have come have been supported by no limits in the past and then they're able to be like uh peer educators role models some of them go on to be our youth ambassadors um i know um that uh, we have 
a young person at the moment who is looking to do some volunteering because of the work that we've done at the hospital to support them. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, I've done a couple of conferences now and we've got one planned in um, October, I think, for the peer project. And that's going to be drawing on some young people who have come through the hospital with drug and alcohol related issues um, and trying to link that into um, like criminal exploitation and just um, educating the people at the hospital to to look out for that. So, yeah, I've got a young person that's going to help me deliver that. So, yeah, it we do draw on our young people. And I think the, the success on how we've been able to help those young people is reflected in how much they want to give back to the community and and support their peers. So it's it's really positive. Yeah, it all sounds incredible. Um, it all sounds like really amazing work that you guys are doing. And I just wish every clinical department had something that sounds as amazing as No Limits because yeah I think it would revolutionize things for everyone if every department had that. Yeah I agree um I was gonna I was wondering you know we've talked a lot about uh, the support that you give uh young people um what about uh thinking kind of the wider family um because obviously that's all a support network for the child and young person you know stuff like housing and other ways to access money is that something that you guys do as well yeah so we have our housing team um we've got a team who help young people um uh make sure that they're in collecting all the benefits that they're entitled to um we have um our young carers teams as well which um and you know, it is set up to look after the young carer, um, but essentially that will have an impact to the rest of the family. We've got a small group that um, is run called Cosmo, and that is for young people whose parents are drug users. Um, so it it kind of helps to educate the child. It gives the child opportunities to do stuff that the family might not be able to provide. So like in Southampton, we have um, the big ice rink out in winter and stuff like that, or they might go to Thorpe Park for a day out. And it's it's things that, you know, when, when a young person's family is um, surrounded by drug and alcohol issues, quite often the spare cash gets spent on that and then the child misses out on... Uh, you know everyday adventures so No Limits fills that gap with with those kind of things. We quite often signpost into other services as well so if we have um, young people who have additional needs then we link into like Rose Road Association which is uh, a family support network for that. Um, The council as well have a, um, a Families Matter support group so we might be able to identify a young person that ticks a few of the needs, the criteria for that, and then we can get that support in place. So, yeah, again, it is we are supporting the whole family um, because quite often, you know, a child in crisis will have a knock-on effect to the whole family and whether that's siblings, um, you know, and stuff. So uh, in the hospital, I do quite a few referrals for siblings 
who have witnessed the mental health issues at home um, and, and been able to get them counselling as well. So, yeah, it is it is essentially the whole family, even though our core area is, is 11 to 25. I guess it all has a knock-on effect. So if you can have those contact moments where, yes, it's the young person that is the trigger point for you guys to be involved, it's the like you say, it extends to the whole family and community. So if you can use those reachable moments to then reach yeah. the family as well, then it can hopefully give some hope and signposting to other places. So, mm. yes. I love it. I love everything about it, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to coming down and uh, seeing a bit of it, really. Yeah. Um, I know we spoke about our top tips for talking to young people. But like we've already said, loads of de- <laughs> not very many departments have a have a carry and have a no limits. So it's what we can do as the clinical team, what what we can do to help until there's a time where, you know, the dream would be that every emergency department would have youth worker services. So what can we do as clinicians in the meantime to try and support our families? I, th- I think definitely. Um... It's worth doing a bit of research for tools, um, techniques and support networks in the local community. Um, Like we said earlier, like there's an online counselling tool that's quite new. Um, I don't know if it's national, but it's called COOF and that's really good for young people. It's, It's got like a toolkit embedded within this app and there's an online counsellor um readily available to speak to young person if they need it um i mean if you can have leaflets um if you've got stuff to hand out to young people with information on then that that would be really helpful um reminding people of the national support networks that are available like the samaritans um I know like Young Minds is a really good one and then a lot of the the older, more established stuff like Bernardo's and Children in Need, um, you know, they've got so much information. Um, the NSPCC do um, a massive amount of research, so there's loads to learn off of their websites as well. Um, and it's, I guess if you can... If you can educate yourself, you know, and your teams... Um, you know, may have some fun with it. Have delegate somebody to look up chlamydia, somebody else to look up um, syphilis, and then in your next coffee break, like you know, give us ten minutes on chlamydia, and and so that you're all knowledgeable about those subjects and stuff like that, and you can share it with each other, you know, um, or or get to know about um, what signs to look for um with anxiety um and and stuff you know eating disorders um the thresholds for cams like waiting list times as well you know i guess education is the key <laughs> there's so much to, there's so much to learn kerry i know <laughs> what um do you think in your role is the hardest thing for you to deal with or the biggest some of the kind of barriers or challenges that you've had um, if other people are going to get involved, I think um, 
I mean, I've definitely pushed some of my own boundaries. Um, you know, a, a year ago, I couldn't watch squeamish blood and stuff like that. And I'm, I hate watching horror movies, but sometimes I feel like I'm in one <laughs> in resource. <laughs> so it's, and a few times I've thought like, I'm sure I should have fainted by now, but I haven't, I'm still standing. So I think I've had quite a few of those moments. Um, and I, I think it's, um, I think the, I think it's being prepared for anything, you know, um, and I think that's to be said for anyone in this role and your role. You, you never know what's coming through the door. Um, but if you're a little bit prepared for it, um, it, it will go to help you. I think as well, we always forget we've got so many transferable skills, you know, whether you are good at opening conversations or have a bit of a sense of humour you know, anything that captures somebody's attention and just, again, making them feel safe. Um, but, and again, I think knowledge is the key. You know, I'm, I, I've got this thing where one night at bedtime, I'll read a novel, like a romance. The next night I'm reading something on psychology. So I'm just tapping into my own knowledge. And, and I quite often go to the other ED teachers teaching sessions that are happening as well because then I learn to learn stuff about anaphylactic shock and you know all, all stuff like that too so I, I I've always felt that knowledge is power um and the more you know the more you can help somebody so uh, I'm a I'm a firm believer in that you're a learning addict <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um uh, yeah, and, and I, I suppose one of the things that I've thought recently is that lots of the uh, children, young people that we're coming in with, um, with injuries or with uh, illnesses, uh, often, you know, we, we, especially with infections and things, are going to get better no matter what we do. Uh, mm -hmm. And sometimes antibiotics will facilitate that happening faster. But I think that the conversations that we have with these young people, they can really make it a massive difference and having them or not having them can can I know it sounds a bit corny but can be the difference between life and death and so it's important for people to be able to have these conversations and and know the things that we're talking about um as well as they can really so um that's uh, that's just one of the things I thought um, recently but yeah if you um if you've got anything else you wanted to say say for um for any of the listeners then uh we'll be happy to hear it but i think you've covered a lot of tips and uh and a lot of aspects of talking to young people so thanks thanks very much thank you i i think it's key to remember i'm i'm part of a massive team um not just in the emergency department team but also within no limits you know we are quite unique and i couldn't i couldn't do this job without a team of counsellors behind me, a primary mental health team, a young carers team, a drug and alcohol team, you know, um, and, and at the hospital, if people, if people, if the staff there didn't recognise the need for this service, um, the, the amount of young people's lives that wouldn't have changed so far, um, you know, is, it would, would be quite sad really, because I know for a fact that we have gone on to change lives. So it is, it is really, 
um, really valuable. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Lovely. On that, yeah, on that wonderful note of changing lots of, of lives and improving everyone's health, let's leave it there. Um, thanks very much. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you. And I just wanted to say a final thank you to Kerry Franklin for joining us and to Tom and Rebecca for hosting the episode. Join us again next week for another episode. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.